Hey everyone, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll get you... Uh, will help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is that you can get all of this for just $15 a month. It's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com front slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find more. I will link it in there. And that is bwhustle.com slash join. I will say... My other podcast, Thompson to Clark, we are a part of the Hustle program. So if you uh, if you have any questions about that, too, you can also hit me up, gg at fightgamemedia.com. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. As I'm recording this, it is just before the new year. As you're listening to this, it is the new year. 2021 is here, and I'll. this is going to be a really quick intro, but mostly I just wanted to let folks know that the show that John and I normally do where we re- review AEW and NXT, that is going to come out in about 24 hours. Uh, and so with the just the the emotional uh, show that AEW put on. It's not going to be the same kind of critique. We're not going to, you know, be as critical on both of these shows as we usually are. We're just going to talk about what was really great about the AEW show and then, you know, the good stuff and the build to the NXT show as they uh, build towards their gigantic show next week. That NXT show is like a mini takeover. It's pretty ridiculous. So uh, what you're going to hear instead of John and myself is two things. The first thing is for those of us who have joined our Patreon, you know that included in the Patreon, the Fight Game Media Network, John Moxley comes on from time to time and he hangs out and he chit chats about NXT, uh, about uh, not NXT, doesn't we don't talk about NXT, about MMA. So we're talking UFC, whatever's going on in big news outside of the UFC and the MMA world. And the last show that we did was right before Christmas. So we're also talking Christmas movies and Christmas traditions and, and what he and his wife do uh, come Christmas time. But this segment that I'm about to uh, play for you goes about 16 minutes or so is John and myself and Justin Nipper talking about the last UFC pay-per-view to end the year because it was a great show. If you've read our Fight Game Media MMA Awards, you saw that uh, I, myself, and Ryan Frederick chose that as our show of the year. And just a great show. John and I hadn't had a chance to talk about it, so we, we talked about it on that Patreon show. So I'm going to play a segment from the Patreon. Uh, If you like what you hear, check it out. uh, Patreon.com front slash fight game media. This this is in the special sauce tier, so the $15 tier. And also, coming tomorrow, actually, actually, by the time you hear this, it'll be there. In addition to, to that Moxley show, which is in the $15 tier, is a Q&A with Dave Meltzer that I did uh, recently. And basically all of the questions came from folks who have joined the Patreon. They are part of our Fight Game Media Network Facebook group, which is where we have the thread to create the questions. And this is a little bit of a different feel. Like, uh, you know, 
Dave Meltzer is such a wealth of knowledge, but because of the friendship that he and I have, uh, some of the time, you know, sometimes what we talk about uh, isn't the normal stuff that that he generally talks about. I, you know, we we just because we know each other so well, we can kind of lean into topics in a little bit of a different way. Uh, and I and I thought this Q and A went really really well. So again, if you like this John Moxley segment, it is only a segment. You know, we usually do hour hour and fifteen hour and a half long shows with him. Um, and then if you like Meltzer, like it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good little deal because you also get all of the shows that we do Monday through Friday, and then on big shows on the weekend. Um, we have a nice little network going. You'll always have a podcast ready in your feed. So check it out. And then after uh, after this segment you hear, we will bring on Chris Samsa, who is the New Japan statistician. And he and I are going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom 15, which is uh, coming in a, in a few days after you listen to this. Uh, New Japan's big show, always on January 4th. They're doing two dome shows again this year. It's in a pandemic, so it's kind of weird. We talk about why. Uh, we, you know, we talk about sort of the anticipation being a little bit down this year, but we break it down. And uh, I always like talking to Chris. Chris is uh, a wealth of knowledge as well about New Japan and just a gigantic uh, wrestling fan. So uh, John Moxley, then Chris Samsa. Check it out. Uh, also, check out the Patreon, patreon.com front slash fight game media. And uh, I think you'll dig it. I, I really want to hear from people too. So, gg at fightgamemedia.com is the way to reach me if you want to send me an email. All right, let's bring on John Moxley, myself, Justin Nipper. All right, so now let's talk about UFC 256. Figueredo and uh, and Moreno. To me, I, I know most people are going to say uh, the fight with Joanna uh, and and uh, Zhang Willie was the fight of the year. I, I remember watching that fight. It was right before the pandemic. It was awesome. But I feel like Figueredo and Moreno, from a story standpoint, like if this was a pro wrestling match and you're telling the story of Moreno who was in there he is so much smaller than Figueredo he is getting tagged and coming this was like uh, you know he he was like the Rocky Balboa of this fight just getting tagged and coming back getting tagged and coming back and so much heart, you know, it's, it's, I, I looked at it as sort of like, a, uh, you know, boxers from from Mexico. They are expected to have like this warrior mentality. And that was Moreno to me. I watched this and just going like this guy has so much heart and the ability to come back. And it was almost like Figueroa was like, what what do I have to do to put this dude away? We get it's a draw. We'll do it again. I, I you know, I hope we don't rush this thing back because because I want these guys to be 100 percent healthy for the rematch. But, John, I mean, he, you know, I, I don't know if this is your fight of the year or one of your top fights or whatever. But, you know, talk about this one. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't pick a one fight better than the other. I mean, they're, but this is in the conversation, just nonstop scrap back and forth. Like how about that kick in the nuts? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Like I thought it was over. He, he, he thought he was going to yak, but he was right back up minutes later. I mean, uh, all kinds of wacky positions that, uh, Figueredo throwing power. He's really won me over this Davidson Figueredo, even before the fight. And uh, it couldn't have gone any better for like, this is what the flyweight division needed. Mm-hmm. Now they got, now they got a feud. Now they got a guy with like knockout power. They got uh, a guy from uh, representing Mexico. And uh, now, they, now they got a feud. Honestly, for both of them, a draw is maybe the better outcome. Cause now that, for the whole division, because now they're—I think you go right to an immediate rematch. I don't think either of them fights anybody else. I think you, you have, obviously, you have to go right to the rematch. Give them time to recover, because that was a friggin' war. So maybe toward the end of the year, or in the fall, or whenever they're both uh, up and ready, and just promote the hell out of it. And you probably have the biggest flyweight fight 
of all time when they rematch and that and it's going to be awesome again. You know, they, uh, miss Marino totally has won me over. Both of them have, you know, uh, just that, that this is what the flyweight division is needed, man. Like a feud and, and an awesome, crazy fight. And just deep Demetrius Johnson was just so dominant for so long and so perfect that it was hard to get excited for flyweight matches. You know, there was, there wasn't ever like a slug fest, you know, this was like a heavyweight slugfest of flyweight, but like at crazy speeds, like it, it was awesome. Kind of reminded me of the, one of the, those old like Clay Guida fights with uh, who was the dude who was on Sports Illustrated? The guy whose name is escaping me. Oh yeah, he was also uh, uh, Mexican American guy. What is his name? Ah, he was like one of the original lightweights in. Uh, well, I'll, 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 think of his I'll figure it out. Ro- you know, Roger the, Huerta. Yeah. Like it reminded me of one of those fights. It's just nonstop, like up and down and oh, it was crazy. Just like that, man. What a. And, and then there's, there's, there was uh, information that came out afterward. Now, you know, so, sometimes, you know, sometimes this is more PR, but I don't think that that, that was the case where Figueredo was like really ill the night before and he was worried about having to pull out. And so that may have, you know, been, been, but I thought he was awesome inside the cage. So whatever it was, he still came to fight both of those guys. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it was easier to root for Moreno because you knew he was the underdog and you knew that, you know, Figueredo was the favorite, but both of those guys just, I don't know how you couldn't think that they were just top notch, uh, you know, after that fight. Um, Justin, you and I talked about it uh, on, you know, we, we actually did a recap the night after. So folks, you know, if, if you didn't watch that show and you want to listen to Justin and I talk about it, it is in the Patreon feed there, the, the, the UFC recap. We recapped it right after the fight was over. But yeah, to me, I'm, I'm you know, I, I do, uh, we, we're going to do a sort of year end awards thing for MMA and boxing and pro wrestling. And I, again, I know the Ioana fight is probably going to win, you know, in in most situations. But to me, this was the fight of the year just because the story was just it was just so awesome. Um, so, John, I wanted to ask you about your boy, Tony Ferguson. What in the hell happened against Oliveira? Oliveira. Charles, I love motherfucking Oliveira happened, man. I was so stoked for this one going in. I was like, this is going to be crazy because Oliveira is one of those guys, you know, we're talking about last time we were talking about the lightweight division, how stacked it is. I mean, I don't know if we even peripherally mentioned Charles Oliveira, you know, like, and, the, and you think of him as having like the most submissions ever or whatever, but he's, he's been in some crazy, some crazy fights. And I was like, this one can't be anything but awesome. I was expecting it to be a little more of a stand-up war to get crazy and scrambly. And like, I was like, this is going to be freaking wild. I did not expect like, like, like almost a Khabib fight, like just completely dominated him in every position on the ground, body lock takedowns and stuff. Tony was working some crazy 10 planet shit. (laughs) Uh, He was working a wacky submission that I only, that I just seen somebody doing a grappling tournament that is like, I don't even know what it's called, but it's Joe Rogan pointed it out. But I was, I was like, Oh yeah. I just seen some dude do that where it's like you're on bottom, but you like, I don't even know how to describe it. He, he was trying for some wild shit off his back, but like he just had no answers, man. You know, I would, I almost, I would have liked to see like, if that had been a five rounder, it's weird seeing Tony Ferguson in like three round fight, you know, uh, maybe he could have, cause he's never out of it. You know, he's always, He's so tough. I mean, he just took two of the worst uh, uh, drubbing on his feet and uh, drubbing on the ground, you know. And but he cannot. I don't know. I'm still ride or die with Tony, like all the way. I don't think it's a write off of Tony at all. I think he fought Justin Gaethje and Charles fucking Oliveira, you know, and back to back, and just uh, didn't go well for him. But Man, it's like like Charles Oliveira is like gonna be right there now. Like I don't I don't see how you put uh, I don't see how I don't put him right in the mix. You know, I mean he's been active enough, and I mean what we were four out of his last five. It'd be Kevin Lee, Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, yeah, 
Oh, no, no, he's on like a, what's he got? He's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fight winning streak now. So like eight fight winning streak, dude. I mean, but it's lightweight. So it's, it's hard to get a title shot, man. It's so stacked, but he's right there, you know? So you're of the opinion that this isn't really a product of Ferguson, you know, maybe uh, a lot of fights, you know, maybe not in his prime. You still think Ferguson is is at a high enough level to where he's going to be a a competitor in the division? Yeah, he's nuts and he's wild, man. Like, he could still, Tony Ferguson could do anything on any given night. He's a, he's a, very unique individual, but that was a fucking war with Gaethje, man. I mean, he, he stood in, like, you remember how that match finished, you know, when he was like, could barely walk, but he was standing on his feet. I mean, like he took a beating in that fight to, uh, to, I mean, you can never count Tony out. You know, he's never out of a match until you kill him. But, uh, yeah, his last two fights just did not go his way at all. And the one completely contested on the feet and one completely tested on the ground. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I I look more to, you know, the eight-fight winning streak of Charles Oliveira coming into his prime more so than, like, oh, Tony's shot or something like that, you know? And then I guess the other thing that Justin and I talked about in our in our recap uh, a, few, a few weeks ago was the Kevin Holland KO. Like, what did you think about when you saw that? Like, this dude is sitting and pretty much starts a uh, a combination of punches, and he puts out Jacare, and he's seated. He's on his ass throwing these punches. It was ridiculous. Dude, Kevin Holland has become my guy. He already was. He has had the craziest year. And, like, the pandemic thing has made everything so wacky. Every, he's had five fights, won them all. I think every single one of his fights has been changed or rescheduled due to like somebody having COVID or getting injured or something. Like every time he signs up for a fight and there's been five of them one year, it changes. But he just keeps signing on that line, comes back a week later, a month later, two weeks later, whatever. I think he did a week turnaround and won two in a row. He just keeps fighting, talking shit. And it, you know, so the uh, the nature of the opportunities in the pandemic with there's a lot of cards and you know there's going to be opportunities to take fights on short notice and that there's no audience because he's a big in the ring shit talker and that's getting him over with a lot of people he makes jokes he's always talking to his opponent I think he says something like uh, like oh I had a dream about this last night like right before right after he knocked out Jacare off his ass I mean who who not that's power. You knock somebody off when you're on your ass, knock somebody out when you're on your ass. That, I mean, that, that's was such a unique finish and so cool to like knock Jacare out on the ground. Dude, like that couldn't have gone any better for him. Like they got potential big star there with, with his personality and the fact that he keeps winning. So if they keep him on the right path and, and everything and he keeps, you know, he could be, he could be a real big, real big fan favorite. I think I, I'm big, big Kevin Holland supporter. Jacare, man, he he might have his chin may be suspect at this point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he he's had a, he's had a rough last go of it too. I believe when the UFC first came back, I think he was the first person to get pulled out of a fight because of. Uh, COVID-19 or uh, it was either him or his coach or whatever. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I love Jacques Ray. I love watching him. I love the way that he moves. I love his style. And he is he is up there, right? Like he didn't come to the UFC as a young prospect. He came uh, to the UFC already, uh, you know, an, an experienced person in 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 jujitsu. But but then having to 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 come into the the MMA world, he he was already you know sort of at his peak and and maybe even past it. But always love Jacques Ray. Always love seeing him. Um, all right, so let's talk about what is upcoming here which is starting, uh, it looks like the UFC is going to be off for a few weeks. I don't know what we're going to do with uh, no fights on the weekend, but uh, January 16th, they're coming back. We have Max Holloway and Calvin Pratt on a fight night. That's the main event. 
And instead of being on ESPN, it is on ABC. So theoretically, there should be more viewers. Now, it is at a time when the NFL is is during their playoff season. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the NFL. But uh, Justin, you hit me up about this earlier today. Uh, What do you think about the UFC on ABC? Now, they were on Fox, uh, but, but during this time frame, you know, ESPN, now ABC. It sounds like a nice little jump there. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I, it doesn't really matter to us because we're going to watch probably anyways. But I wonder what that means, you know, a little bit for the casual fan. Well, like John was talking about earlier, like this year has been for some reason great for fights. Like a, there were a lot of like really good to great fights pretty much every month, almost every week, because I don't know why, but it's just, that's what's going on. So now with the ABC thing, I can think of, I'm thinking of it as, okay, you're going to get more casual eyes on the product this week than usual. I don't know how many with the numbers. I don't know, but it's national TV. So you're going to, you're going to get more eyeballs on it, right? This might be a jumping on point or it could be a jumping on point for the new casual fans that want to get into UFC. Um, This would be a perfect start. I mean, I could see ABC doing like promo packages to like airing old fights later to kind of test out how those older shows do that. I could see that happening. But you also have to remember that uh, the casual fans or football fans are kind of like NFL is in a weird spot this year. I'm not like an expert or anything, but a lot of complaints about it. A lot of uh, teams getting shut down from COVID. Um, maybe my, people are my looking- poor 49ers. They got <laughs> locked out of their own state. They're oh, playing geez. in Arizona because the Santa Clara County will not allow them to play in their own stadium because of uh, of COVID-19. Really? Yes. Yeah. So, so these things are happening with football, right? So I think fans might, this is like an opportunity where fans might be looking for alternative options. Like maybe I'm not really feeling football right now because of what, maybe it's something they don't like about the company or maybe this is just their favorite team. It, it's things are on the rocks because of the conditions in the States right now. This could be, you could look at it like a, an opening, right? Maybe this could be, or it could just be another show and maybe it doesn't do anything. That's just as likely. So, but um, just know that you know ABC is a part of the Disney conglomerate. They got Disney money behind it. That's a lot. That's a powerhouse. Oh, uh, that makes sense then, because they were the ESPN. Yep. And the ESPN yep. So, did, uh, and I, I'm assuming that Disney saw like, wow, the ratings were good. This is working out on ESPN. If we give it an extra bump, would that help? I mean, I would assume, yeah. Just off the top of my head, I unless it was a terrible show, but they've been putting on really good shows. So it seems like a good opportunity, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Max Holloway is a pretty uh, trusty guy to put in that situation. So is Calvin Cater too, to be honest with you. He's pretty, he's a tough dude, man. He's had some exciting fights. If they can talk to, they have charisma. So uh, watching them on ABC, it's be kind of appealing to somebody who maybe never watched or hasn't watched in a while. Like Max Holloway is great to jump in and, Oh, this is cool. This is exciting. What's this about? That could be oh, the dude, way they're thinking. Thirty percent of that show too is going to be a uh, uh, plug in that pay per view. Oh right, for yeah. sure. I mean, I mean, you know, what you said is basically the reason why you want to get on ABC. It's not a you're going to get some viewers for sure. You're going to get some extra viewers, hopefully some new viewers to kind of tune into the product. But B, you're going to be able to put Conor McGregor. You're going to be able to put Dustin Poirier on the TV screen, promoting their fight in front of hopefully a bigger than normal audience than, than what they see on ESPN. So what, what you're saying, John, is, is, is exactly why uh, they're doing it. All right, let's take a quick break before we get to Chris and let's talk about Bet Online. The NBA is back in action and football is heading to the playoffs. Week 17 is here. You may not be at a game, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals, the team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager 
than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That is BlueWire, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, we're going to bring on Chris Samsa, who I like to call the New Japan statistician. Uh, and he's going to come and we're going to talk about Russell Kingdom, which is coming up in, as of this posting, it'll be in three days and four days since it's two, since it's a two night show. But Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So before we even get into this, I wanted I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about the Voices of Wrestling book that uh, just got published and is available for purchase. Uh, it's an ebook, and yeah, I wanted to give you a chance to just kind of talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the the Voices of Wrestling New Japan Year in Review ebook. Um, they've been doing this since 2014. I've been involved with it for the past two years. Um, but basically what it is, is, is they take all the content that they create regarding New Japan over the course of the calendar year. So that's every review, columns, opinions, um, you know, special essays, things of the sort. And they put it all in this in this massive ebook um you know and then they they kind of outsource a bunch of columns and essays too and it becomes this really cool retrospective of a year in the time of new japan pro wrestling so and and my role with that is i provide all the statistics um at the beginning of the projects for everyone to draw from and then i i do some of the graphics and some of the some of the other work with the book too and then my stats are also just printed in the book so it is um it's quite the undertaking it's a huge project um it's wildly successful it's 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 very very fun it is very thorough and you know this is the probably the first year that i've read the ebook and i see it and it's it's a little more balanced it's a little less of just a um a tribute to new japan mm-hmm. it actually there is some some criticism in there and and some conversation about how they've handled um you know everything through covid as well as just the the general direction of the company this year and and there's a lot of really intelligent really thoughtful think pieces in there this year that um it's it's really a great read um it's got a, a forward by John Moxley which Garrett you were so gracious to help us um lock in which is it's really awesome he did a really nice job with it and um he's a, he's a cool person to write about new japan right now because he's a champion but he hasn't been there since February so and he took a really a really neat approach so you can get it on on pay hip um so th- and that's uh pay what you like you can get it on amazon kindle for 5.99 and you can find all those links at voices of wrestling.com so the the moxley thing he just i mean he loves new japan he that, that it was like um i don't know i don't remember if this was on a podcast that we did together or if he had just sort of told me this as an aside, but it was a big challenge for him. You know, it was like, you know, when he left WWE, he didn't, I don't think at least I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, Cody had that list of things that he wanted to do when he left WWE. I don't know if Mox necessarily had anything written down, but when the call came in, you know, to see if he was interested and then, you know, the G1 specifically, he was like, Oh my God, this frightens me. And because it frightens me, I have to do it. And so he just loves it. And it's, um, it was really cool that he did like I just all I did was send him an email and go, hey, you know, these guys were wondering if you wanted to do this. And I think I shared Rich's message. And then he was like, yep, I'm in. And so that I mean, that, that was it. So I was glad that he, that he did it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big get. I mean, in the in the past, the forwards have been written by Cody, Kevin Kelly and Lance Archer. So um, not I mean, that's that's good company either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he, he did an awesome job too. And it really hit the, it hit the mark for me. And if you read it, you'll probably understand, you'll probably get why. So, yeah. And the, the thing that I want to point out is that, you know, books like this, where you have a website, like voice of wrestling is a website. It's not a publishing company. You know, this is as much a labor of love as it is something to sell. It's because they're just proud of the work that they put into it. And so, 
you know, there's so many books, there's tons of things that you can support. But if you're a wrestling fan, supporting something like this goes a much longer way than, say, buying a you know, whatever the latest WWE book is. And because it's sort of inexpensive, uh, you, you know, send it to people. Like if you, you know, if you normally pay 20 bucks for a book, you know, buy one of these and then send two or three to friends who you think would be interested in it. I think that'd be a cool little, you know, post Christmas, you know, let's start the new year off uh, great in a great way. I think, I think like that, that kind of thing is pretty cool. And you can do that with Amazon through Kindle. You can just like gift books as long as you have an email address. So that's, that's what I did. I wanted to do that because I just like supporting the content creators, man. I like, I like people who, you know, are, doing sort of going above and beyond the call of duty because they just love it yeah i was just talking to rich and, and joe and everyone at voices of wrestling and i i said i wish we had the resources to do this for more companies too um and, and i maybe long term that's a that's a goal to put it together like an, an encyclopedia each year mm-hmm. um, because they voices of wrestling has a huge staff that that produces great content across the world of wrestling um and it's not just new japan new japan probably is the the was the defining company that really got voices of wrestling on the map which is why i think they stick with them and then you know i'm i'm over there putting my stuff there so um but i just it's such a cool project and it's cool to see these big retrospectives of each year and you know it it would be really cool to see that expand so and i think the more people support it the more likely it is that we you know would would try to address that Imagine the WWE section of that encyclopedia, though. Oh, oh my God. I don't even... I, wouldn't, <laughs> I don't think I would be involved. I don't think uh, my work lends itself to them very well. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this show upcoming, Russell Kingdom. Uh, the it, it's, it's so weird, and I say this when I just talk about any sort of wrestling, but like when I thought about... So I, I took two days off of work just so that I could watch both shows. And in previous years, it, one of those nights would be getting together with people. And like, you know, we would last year physically, we had about five people at my house, you know, late at night. And, you know, I'm telling, you know, my wife, just make sure you have your earplugs in because we're probably going to be talking. <laughs> but like, you know, now we have to do it in this sort of virtual way. And I think I'll, I'll, we'll still do it with people and we'll have like a thread in our Facebook group. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of be, you know, chatting in Messenger and stuff with each other. But it's just such a different thing. And I was wondering... Because Russell Kingdom is kind of like, it's like the, you know, it has become much more, uh, I look forward to Russell Kingdom much more than I, I do to WrestleMania these days, but still, you, it's still, we're still in this pandemic and, and unfortunately it, I think it hits Russell Kingdom too, because I don't feel that people are as excited about these shows as, the, as they have in the past. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's controllable though. It's just kind of the situation. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I kind of feel the same. I, I get excited to see, um, wrestling in different environments, right? So as soon as you put wrestling in the Tokyo Dome with 40,000 people, that's a different environment than your typical New Japan show, your typical WWE show. I mean, like you name it. And it's just so grandiose and so big and so cool. And it's hard to feel excited about that right now because it's not going to be as big. The capacity is limited. The setup might be different because of the capacity being limited. I mean, last year, night one was their biggest attendance in uh, well over a decade. Uh, and they broke 40,000 paid and, and it, it felt big. It felt huge. And this year's not, not going to feel quite the same, mm-hmm. but um, Wrestle Kingdom is when new japan shows up and shows out right so there's perennially multiple match of the year contenders on these cards so i don't think that that's going to change um unless things really evolve rapidly and we get crowds back for a significant portion of 2021 and and by crowds i mean like crowds that can cheer and chant and full capacity right um 
if if crowds are back for a significant portion of the year, I think then maybe this may be the first year that you don't really see um, a lot of consideration put into multiple Wrestle Kingdom matches. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to put that evil on them, no pun intended. But, <laughs> but I mean, like the environment's going to be different, but the wrestling will still be good. And and this is typically the end. New Japan really treats this as like the end of the previous calendar year's arc. And that's, um, and you know, they'll, they'll start some stuff here and there. Like last year, they started the Kenta Naito um, feud, I guess you could call it. And they, they set up uh, Suzuki and Moxley with a, with a really cool moment. So they, they will advance things, but oftentimes this is very much the blow off. You, you don't expect things to really begin here. Right. And then they sort of kick it off on on Dash with, mm-hmm. with some angles. So you, you kind of subtly mentioned something that I was thinking of and I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, like personally, I think the way that New Japan dealt with the pandemic by just ceasing all operation um, was a very thoughtful way to handle like the American companies, abs- except for R- ROH. I'm talking about the big American companies. They didn't handle it in the same way. They tried to to make sure that they were able to still do shows and do television. New Japan was like, nope, we're putting a stop to this. That I thought was sort of like a leadership mentality way to handle. Now, the business situation is different with them and and with the American companies, though, you know, it's not like they could have necessarily have afforded to do that. And I think WWE specifically definitely could have. Now, when it comes to them coming back and doing shows and and doing the New Japan Cup and doing the G1 and all the storylines headed into now, how would you grade this time the the whatever the second half of 2020 when it comes to creating stories and when it comes to telling stories because i think um you know you even mentioned it in in, in the book how you know they, the the writing is a little bit more critical this year did you um enjoy this year that just from a booking standpoint as much as in the past or did you also have some issues with things that were going on so I, I love tournaments. So um, and, and between June and, and now there have been 10 different New Japan tournaments. So um, with that said, I, I've had a lot to enjoy. I loved the evil turn at the end of the New Japan Cup. I, you know, I, I that I felt was great. I don't think the payoff was quite what anyone wanted it to be. I think evil winning the title was such a surprise and 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 then they kind of they wrung out every last ounce from that matchup and I don't know if that's because of limited capacity but or if they really just wanted to get that um get evil over as a as a as a bad guy, right? But I think when you when you look at New Japan, New Japan is very much a main event company, and and it's really driven by those huge, big matchups that are oftentimes protected first time, second time, first time in a long time uh, matchups, singles matchups in, in the main event. And when you go back to the well four times over the course of really five or six months um, with a matchup that's not necessarily... Um, wasn't wasn't something people were looking for or talking about or, or pining for. I, I think you're gonna see people think that um, the company's changed or it's evolved or it, it they don't have what they used to have. Now, I think as we go into Wrestle Kingdom and we look at even Night One's main event or even just the card on Night One as we as we talk through that, I have no fear that this may have been the card that they were working towards the whole time and i think it's going to be a really good card and i think mm-hmm. that there's there's a lot that can be drawn out of here so i i don't know i don't know how i feel about um you know the the whole story i think there was a lot that happened that wasn't evil versus naito that was really good 
I think the G1 was great. I think there were so many, there was a lot of good matches. The story arc was cool. Ibushi winning is, is a, that was a huge accomplishment for Ibushi. So I think that there was a lot that you could pull out of it. But when you put something that's really divisive at the top of a lot of cards, it's going to open up some conversation. Anything that you're hearing out there? I know that it is already New Year's and basically by the time people listen to this, it'll be 2021 as well. But I don't know, you know, is there anything you're hearing sort of last couple days, like any stories? I know that the the ticket sales have stopped. So, you know, whatever they're at now is what they're going to be at. No, no walk up or, or anything. Um, but is there any, you know, how, how are people feeling? Are the rest like, how, like, I can't imagine like, you know, someone like Jeff Cobb where he's got to just stay out there during a pandemic in order to, you know, to wrestle the, the last part of this year like you are there any stories out there that that you're hearing as we get closer to the show that that are interesting well so kevin kelly flew out about two weeks ago so that he could do his mandated quarantine so he can be ringside for wrestle kingdom for the first time since uh february yeah so and and that's that's a testament to his dedication, I think. Um, so it'll be him and Chris Charlton. Rocky, Rocky Romero did, did pretty much the same thing. Um, so they're just holed up in hotel rooms. They're not even allowed out just yet even. So I think they're they're a couple days away from that. So um, I think that's a, that's a cool story. And that, again, like when I was talking to Kevin um, at the end of the G1, we talked a lot about community and the role that he plays in the New Japan community and the role that um, anyone that he he collaborates with plays in the New Japan community. And just just that belief that this is a, a great, cool product, that it, it can appeal to the masses and that, you know, there's a lot of us that'll do whatever it takes to be helpful for that. Um, I think that those stories are, they, they will start to come out a little bit more. Kevin even did a, uh, like a Facebook or a Twitter live stream kind of thing. He did a video where he explained everything about how he had to get into the country and what he's been up to. And, and it was, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool to see that level of dedication from, um, you know, someone just so we can do English commentary live in the building because there's a whole different energy when you're in the building. So for the American fans, uh, that's the, that we have, we have a lot of UK fans too that listen to this, but what are the start? What do you, when do you expect the actual non pregame part of both shows to start? I know it's a uh, Sunday night and Monday night, correct? Yes. So Sunday night, Monday morning, really. For, so for me, it's 2 a.m. Monday um, and then the same time on Tuesday. So Sunday night for you, Garrett, it's probably what, midnight then? It'll yeah, eleven o'clock. I think. Oh, eleven, 11 yeah. o'clock midnight. Well, depending because I, 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 I think some of the pregame stuff starts even earlier. So maybe it is midnight uh, for me, I think, for the main show. Yeah, so the there's only one just kidding. There's night one has just the Rambo, which is a really fun um it's like a rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing I think on the pregame. So that'll probably start bells at f- five o'clock Japan time. So yeah, so that's two AM here. Yeah, so I mean there's not there's not a ton on these cards. There's not a ton of matches on these cards. And then night two, um, you've got the stardom. You've got two stardom exhibition matches that won't even be aired. So that'll probably be maybe a half hour later because those they won't they won't even put up on New Japan World. What do you think about the shorter shows? Uh, we saw them during the G1. I, I thought it was great because you could get through a lot of this stuff in a, in a condensed time. But do you think that uh, that's going to work in the favor for these, these two Wrestle Kingdom shows? I don't think it hurts because the, the cool thing about the G1 is that like all those matches have such high stakes, right? You're there, you're, you're building towards winning this, this tournament. And if you only put you know the five g1 matches plus the young lions match which had its had stakes in its own way on a card it it gives each match some focus 
So, and I think that that's what we're going to see here with uh, Wrestle Kingdom as well, is that there's less, there's no filler, right? So there's no, there's, there's not going to be any real filler on the, on these cards. I mean, you've got a rumble to start the, the first night, but that's classic new Japan. Like that's something that they've kind of always done. And, and from there you get into the matches with, with big high stakes or, you know, big grudge matches. So I think that it'll work in its favor in the sense that you won't, be exhausted by the end of it i know the plan is for each card to run less than four hours total mm-hmm. and um and to be perfectly honest like i don't even know how they get to that so and you know they'll probably do an intermission which they haven't done the past couple of years but even so that's 10 or 15 minutes but um yeah so you may see some more epic matches i think because they're the energy in the building will be really focused on each of these matches uh kind of in a vacuum how do you think that crowd is going to sound it's in a dome which you know you'll hear pro wrestlers talk about in it like they have a hard time hearing the noise in in a dome but how do you think that's going to come across on television see i don't think the crowd comes off that hot in a full dome to be perfectly honest because just because the, the you're right like the sound just travels and it travels up and it bounces around and it's it's not as as focused as say a cork and hall or even a budokan like these are pretty small buildings that they pack a lot of people into that um that get really energized i know the dome i, I mean people have told me that being in the dome is an experience in itself with so many people all you know going after the same thing or cheering for the same thing but i i've never really seen that translate with a ton of energy onto the screen so i'm hopeful that that actually works in its favor as mm-hmm. we as we watch on tv it's hard to say like the the crowds have been um they've honored their um what they've been asked is that they don't cheer you know vocally and they've honored that they've gotten really creative you can tell like who they're they're like rhythmically clapping for with each of the little like chants um or clap chant i guess you could call it so i think that that's interesting but you know my my primary concern is that it's going to be a small crowd in a big building and that never feels great i mean if you go back to summer struggle in jingu you put they put about five thousand people in a baseball stadium that could hold probably twenty five thousand and that didn't quite have the right energy um you know they 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 did a really that was it was a really fun show to watch because how often do you get to see wrestling in a baseball stadium but um i hope that they've got a few more people in the building and they're a little closer together maybe um and so that it feels a little more natural and with the tokyo dome they they have set it up differently in in the past when they didn't have um such a hot ticket so they may pull the stage closer or something of the sort i I, they they have some wiggle to be creative in that way so which of the two days are you looking most forward to because just on paper night one looks tremendous (laughs) just with those last two matches i'm just like oh my gosh how do you follow up night two but like well how do you look at that so night one is the match that on on paper you look at and you're like that's a pro wrestling card that i need to see yeah right like and top to bottom there's very little on i mean there's nothing on that card that you're like that's not gonna be good like these are gonna this is gonna be fun that's gonna be a really fun card night two i mean hard to talk about because there are four matches that are or three three matches that are completely kind of wide open they could they could turn into anything so um based on the results of night one so i to me i'm looking forward to night one the most night two will be the culmination of a couple of big stories um and i I, obviously the that's always fun to experience and but but night one i mean I, i you could put that card on by itself and and no one's going to complain that could be wrestle kingdom 
only night right like the way it has been for 13 years before last year and and this would be a card that you'd be like yeah that's a wrestle kingdom card absolutely what is the feeling from your point of view on how the new japan audience uh not necessarily the american audience but the japanese audience like jay white in the main event on night two uh, to me, I, I think Jay White is probably the best heel in, in wrestling, or if not the best, then maybe he's in the top three. But he also feels very Triple H 1999 to me in that a little bit forced down your throat to some extent. But I also definitely see uh, the value of him. But when you look and when when, when I look at the matches on on night one and you have Naito and Ibushi on night one and then you have you know Jay White against either of them I do think from my mind like my excitement that the night two main event is a step down because it's Jay White rather than a Naito and Akata or an Ibushi but I don't know how the Japanese fans feel about him in that way like how, what, do, what do you think is the mentality when it comes to him being in that main event for night two my perception is that it there are a lot of people that feel the same way that you do um but there there are a lot of people who are big jay white switchblade jay white fans so and and he'll be damned or bullet club you know etc like they don't care jay white's their guy and they want they do they want to see him be the best version of jay white that he can be i think there's a lot of people in those crowds in japan that that love to see jay outsmart or outwit whoever he's wrestling as long as it's not their good guy guy right so if if there's a group that's a i mean naito has more fans probably than pretty much anyone right now and when you put jay white and naito in the in the same match if Jay White wins that match, people are headed for the door immediately. They are mm-hmm. upset. They're angry. We saw it last year um, at the tail end of the G1, and we saw it last year during um, the Destruction Tour, and it was just like just fans just revolted in, in a way, in, in the pro wrestling way, right? Not in the way of like denying that it happened and, and walking away from the company, but in the way of wanting Jay to get his comeuppance, right? So that's, I think... That's I think where where the fans over there are now. There there are certainly contrarian fans that want Jay White to be to be the winner. I think there's a lot of people that see like you do see the value in Jay White as a top guy in New Japan. But um, you know the way he wiggled his way into this main event scene has been divisive for sure. I think on on both sides of the ocean. So when it comes to uh, we'll, we'll talk about another person who hasn't. I don't. I, I'm not sure that he's fit in tremendously yet. But they are putting him against uh, Tanahashi, so they're not putting him against Tanahashi for no reason. But the Great Okan. What do you think about the Great Okan? I think the Great Okan's great, um, and and I think that he's got a lot of fans in the offices of New Japan. So he's he's a guy who is gonna i think his character work's gonna evolve i think he's gonna find a, a a lane that's all his own it's it's a little i to me i i kind of look at this new unit that will osprey's put together right with jeff cobb great O'Con, and himself and any three of those guys could truly end up leading that unit now, Will might be the guy who put it all together, but Great Khan's the guy with the presence that um, that I think New Japan looks for, or you know, really drives the top end of, of units. So, his first two singles matches, Okada and Tanahashi. I mean, that that does kind of signal to me that he's someone to look out for, and it does definitely signal to me that there's a lot of people that believe in him. Mm-hmm. So as we as we get shut this down, uh, what are the matches that you're most looking forward to 
that uh, you know you, you, the excitement is there where you're just like, man, you know this is this is what makes this show this show. I mean, the main event of night one is gonna be, I mean, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito. First of all, go, going back in time, they've you know they've wrestled eight times. Every single one is phenomenal. Once was in Madison Square Garden. That was phenomenal. Um, Were you at that show? I was not at that show. No, regretfully. Yeah, I we we made the trek out. Did uh, you? That was yeah. the reason. That was that was more the reason why we even went out there. I didn't even stay for WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah. I mean, had I if I had my bearings about me, I, I would have been there. But I didn't even. I didn't even think about it. Um, I was going to go this year to Madison Square Garden. So and I was going to I was probably going to do some cool stuff. But um, (laughs) but here here we are midst of a pandemic. Hopefully they get back there. But I know. I mean, so that's a match that they've they've stayed away from for a year and a half. Kota Ibushi is to some extent the new Tetsuya Naito, right, where he's um, he hasn't had his run on top and he's he's won tournaments and he's been in the mix but he hasn't quite crossed that threshold and this is his this is probably his biggest and most obvious opportunity to do so so that match is is tops on my list i'm a kota ibushi fan i'm not anti tetsuya naito by any means but kota ibushi is just such a good diverse singles pro wrestler and i think he can do a lot as a top level champion are we a little worried about this match? Uh, they've had some crazy matches in the past, and I don't know if you know how badly hurt they each got, or what you know whether they were just selling whatever. Whatever the case is, is when they wrestle each other, there are a few moments in each match where I'm like, oh my god, it just looked like both of them got really hurt. <laughs> Of course, like, uh, to be honest, I I worry about that with both these guys without each other. And then you put them in the ring with each other and it it just kind of magnifies that. So, yes, certainly. I I think you'd have to see Ibushi flick that switch to be, you know, um, what we what people call murder Ibushi. Like when he just like gets dead behind the eyes. It it happened in the Okada match last year. If, If we start to head down that path, then I'm. I would be calling the doctors to ringside. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think both these guys also have, have grown even just in the last year and a half in, in how they're able to wrestle a really captivating match and, you know, do so successfully without almost dying. Yeah. Like at least that's, that's my perception. I don't think Naito's had any of those moments since the Ibushi match. And I don't think Ibushi's had any of those moments since the, the match against Naito either. I mean, they, they've had big moments that look painful, but not necessarily, um, death defying. What else are you looking forward to on the card? I, I mean, that whole first card, right? So like I can, I can run it down just so quick. Like Okada versus Osprey. You know, Okada's doing interviews where he's talking about how he wants to treat this match like an old or like his run of the IWGP uh, heavyweight championship with which means like epic encounters, no, you know, run ins, no wacky stuff like no unit, you know, unit people, no new guys coming in and, and beating him up so Osprey can win. Like he's talking about how he wants this match to be you know a protected you know big time pro wrestling match so like if that's the case that's uh, as a palate cleanser or to send new japan into 2021 with that these two guys can certainly be the guys that do that and there's a another sort of side story to this in that okada has seen osprey coming but every time they wrestle, including uh, I, like my favorite match of uh, 2019 was their G1 match from two, uh, 2019. And there's just this sense of like, Will is so close to beating Okada, but in the end he doesn't. And that, so that story it sits there with me every time these guys wrestle. Yeah. And like now he's he's beaten him, right? But he beat him 
nefariously. So yes. to be, to some extent, even though Will has has um, started this new unit and now he's kind of the bad guy in the in the situation, you still kind of want to see Will Osprey beat Okada clean, right? Or you've got Okada who's been on this really weird trajectory all year, where he's using a submission move to end his matches and he's been a little slow or just a step behind guys that he's always been a step ahead of and maybe you want to see okada you know smack someone with a rainmaker again for the first time in 10 months and if it's will osprey right now i think that's that's a big win for new japan too so i think either way this match goes i think we come out of it with something um that we haven't seen in a while or we've never seen before what is the sleeper match for you on each night? What is the one that people may not be thinking about that you think is going to overachieve? So on night one, I don't think there's a lot of people talking about Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasmo. And so that's the, the best of the Super Junior winner, uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasmo, who won the Super J Cup. And because of the, I guess, the sheer scale of the top three or four matches on this card, not many people are talking about that particular match. But those guys have never wrestled in a singles match. Hiromu is one of the, I mean, he's the best junior in the world. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And El Phantasmo is nothing to scoff at. Like, he's, a, he's really good. He's a big character. But I think, uh, you know we keep talking about people kind of outsmarting the the bad guys or the bad guys outsmarting the good guys. Hiromu's really crafty. So, and, and also just athletically, both of these guys can go. So that's the first match on the full, on the official card of night one. And I, I really hope that that's a match that people remember and that sets up the next, you know, whatever 11 matches for, for wrestle kingdom, um, you know, throughout the two nights. And then on night two, I mean, Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb. I mean, how can, how can you go wrong for the never mm-hmm. open weight championship? I don't know. I don't know that that necessarily qualifies as a sleeper, but it's third match on the card and it's, it's not getting a They're not getting a ton of hype, but I, these guys have beaten the hell out of each other before. Even in PWG, they were in a three way for um, the Bola, the end of the Bola tournament. So this will be um, this will be a really cool match, too, especially Jeff Cobb. He's got so much more energy now that he's um, a part a part of the group with with Will Ospreay in, in the Empire. So I think that seeing you know, seeing Jeff Cobb kind of come into his own and and have something to draw from in that way emotionally, that's that's been really cool for me. Anything we missed that you wanted to bring up before we get out of here? No, I mean it's it's the biggest New Japan card of the year and and we spread it over two nights this year and I think that um, if you ever thought about getting into New Japan and the G1's just a little too daunting and you know some of the tournaments you, you can't necessarily keep up these are two cards that are going to be really easy to watch first of all because they have really six or seven matches that are that are even necessary to watch each night and they're it's going to be some of the best pro wrestling that you see especially um in the in the pandemic era so i i i hope people check it out i hope people use um, the voices of wrestling ebook as a resource to catch up there's uh, wrestler profiles for everybody so you can at least get to know what all these wrestlers have been up to for the last year and certainly i'll have my um my full wrestle kingdom statistical preview up at voices of wrestling.com and sport of pro wrestling.com um over the next day or two so hopefully we can get you all caught up or get you into it and it's it's definitely worth checking out and you can get new japan world for 9.99 a month and there's so much cool content on there all right where can people find you on social media uh best place to find me is on twitter at the chris samsa um that's where i live tweet new japan shows i'm one of those crazy guys that that wakes up and does this live (laughs) even even for cards that aren't wrestle kingdom even though wrestle kingdom is definitely the most fun the most social um so i'll be up there I'm more than happy to answer questions about who's who and what's what. My part of my passion with New Japan is is bringing along new fans and getting people caught up, and um, you know that that's always the the driver. Of what I like to do, which is why I lean really heavily into kind of the sports side of it, because I think that that's the the first cut and the easiest thing for people to attach themselves to, because it's it's familiar stuff. 
you must have the craziest ability to like take a nap or something with by waking up at all hours of the night to do this garrett my blood is half coffee so that, that's <laughs> actually my my trick so oh man you're gonna it's gonna catch up for you you, you know you're 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 a pretty uh young guy but at some point you're gonna hit a you're gonna hit a wall and just be like oh my god i'm so tired but as long as you can do it <laughs> keep doing it. i'll keep doing it as long as i can and, and and maybe one day i'll just i'll end up in tokyo on tokyo time instead of in chicago on tokyo time there you go there you go all right so uh thanks to chris check out all the stuff the book uh you know his website where he keeps track of things that normal folks in wrestling don't really keep track of so it's really interesting to look at pro wrestling in in a through a sports lens but anyways thanks for coming on man appreciate it hey thanks for having me All right, hope you enjoyed the segment with John Moxley, exclusive to our Patreon. If you uh, enjoyed that little taste of what that show is, check out the Patreon. Again, patreon.com, front slash fight game media. Also, want to thank Chris Sampsa for jumping on. And also, just another reminder, John the Rock and I will be back tomorrow with our normal show just a day later because of the holiday and everything. And uh, and yeah, so definitely, um, if you... If you have any questions, I want to throw that email address out there again, gg at fightgamemedia.com. Would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about uh, about what we're doing here. All right, so for John, for Justin, for Chris, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.